This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. After many decades of an effective federal policy of put out all the fires, we're paying the price with more catastrophic wildfires. Anna Downey is policy director at the Property and Environment Research Center in Bozeman, Montana. We discuss the hurdles to forest management and the dangers of blanket fire suppression. This is a bigger problem in the Mountain West than it is in Georgia, where we are recording, uh, in other areas where the it's not as arid. It's uh, The forests are, in a sense, easier to maintain, but it's prescribed burns. And it is the attempt to sort of cultivate the health of forests using that as one of many tools. Why is it so hard to do in the Mountain West? You're absolutely right, Caleb. This is a huge issue in the Mountain West of figuring out how can we manage our forests to reduce wildfire risk. And one of the biggest things that we can do to reduce the risk of wildfires is to actively treat our forests. And that means reducing the fuels and the um, overgrown forests that are contributing to these huge uh, catastrophic wildfires that are becoming more and more prevalent. And that includes uh, using tools such as prescribed burns, which you mentioned, which is applying low-intensity for. Uh, fire in a controlled manner on a landscape to reduce some of that fuel buildup. It also can include uh, mechanical treatments, logging, thinning, removing some of those smaller diameter pieces that contribute to these catastrophic fires. So we know what we need to do. The challenge is actually getting to a point where those tools can be applied on the ground before any chainsaw can touch a tree, before a drip torch can start to apply that prescribed burn. We have to go through a really burdensome environmental review process and then face a lot of litigation. So actually getting to the point of doing that work takes a really long time. It seems to be well understood, and correct me, correct me where I'm wrong, forests in a state of nature, uh, a lightning strike will hit, it will cause a fire, the fire will burn out fuels, it will create space for new trees, the cycle continues uh, over and over, and then humans showed up and decided at some point in the 19th or 20th century, let's just put out every fire. And that causes massive buildup of what you call fuels, which I will have to say is kind of an insidery term. And when you say fuels, you should you should clarify what that means. That's dead tree, dead decaying material on the floors that just builds up in the absence of any fire or other or thinning or, or something like that. And because we've got this legacy now of, uh, I don't know, a hundred years or more of let's put out all the fires, any new fires that come, especially in the Mountain West, where it's very arid, those fires can be de- absolutely devastating. So is, is that basically the need here? Yeah, Caleb, I, I think you're spot on with that. We have decades of, of what we're calling fire suppression, where those natural fires, uh, either from lightning strikes or indigenous communities, applied them on the landscapes a lot. Where we no longer had those coming through and clearing out the dead trees, the pine needles, the brush, uh, smaller diameter trees, so that we had these healthier forest ecosystems. That coupled with a decline in uh, mechanical treatments, and when I use that term, I mean logging, commercial timber harvesting, um, human thinning of the forest. Those things combined and led to the state where we're at now 
where we have so much of those fuels on the ground and we're seeing catastrophic fires. I mean, already this summer, we've seen 6 million acres burned. Last year, the cost of fighting those fires exceeded $3.7 billion. This is a huge issue that definitely affects the American West, but you're seeing smoke traveling to Santa Barbara, Washington, D.C. It's truly an issue focused in the American West, but the entire nation should be caring about it. Why is it so hard to do? It's so hard to do largely because we have created these structures where we have to go through such onerous review in order to be able to actually apply those treatments on the ground. Uh, We have extensive environmental reviews. We have litigious groups that want to come in and try and stop those groups. There's growing bipartisan consensus that we need to do these things. Actually moving through the approval process takes a long time. So we're dealing with sort of the uh, legacy of fire suppression. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you look at uh, the National Environmental Policy Act is one of the biggest uh, kind of pieces of legislation out there. It's a process that you have to go through in order to do one of these projects. So say we have a national forest. We know that it's at high risk of wildfire. There's consensus that we need to get in there and apply prescribed burns or mechanical thinning on the ground. Uh, But in order to actually start that process, you have to go through this whole approval process. And when we're talking about the most stringent levels of environmental review, we're looking at these delays taking upwards of five to seven years. And that's a long time when we're dealing with present fire risk. Over and above the onerous regulatory process of just doing these reviews to get started on a project, uh, environmental groups, and let's give them a little bit of credit here, they don't want a McDonald's in Yellowstone. Yes. And I don't want a McDonald's in Yellowstone. Yes. And the concerns are, if we cut roads into these forests, that's going to bring a bunch of uh, recreational ATVs through this area. And that's going to bring with it a bunch of trash and it's going to sully our beautiful landscape. Let's just not do any of that. Is I, that That's how I understand sort of the basic attitude of somebody who maybe doesn't pay attention too closely to the policy of this area, but they're concerned. And, and I can't blame them for having concerns about civilization essentially creeping into these beloved uh, outdoor spaces. Yeah. And, and I agree. That's, that's a warranted concern. I think The thing to keep in mind here is we're talking about wildfire risk. If we don't do something, the entire forest will burn down. And and an example that I think really showcases that was on the Klamath National Forest. There was a proposed uh, forest restoration project there. It was at high wildfire risk. There was a proposal to come in and do some of that thinning, burning of the excess fuels on the landscape. Um, An environmental group, a litigious group, came in and said, well, this is... uh, habitat for an endangered species, a spotted owl, which is federally protected. So you need to think about uh, this project can't go forward because it'll harm that habitat. And so while all this was playing out in the courts and the court said, all right, hold off on this project until we're able to decide what the impacts are to this spotted owl. Well, during that delay, a wildfire came through and ended up destroying the very habitat and the forest that these environmental groups were claiming to want to protect. And I think that goes to show, while certainly there are concerns about what uh, the impacts of civilization or human impact might have on the ground, we're also seeing huge environmental consequences. And we can't deny that fire suppression is human impact. 
yeah, we're at a point in time where this is a human issue. We've we've done nothing. We've consciously put out natural fires for such a long time that human action has led to the situation we're in right now. So clearing out the clutter of the uh, regulatory processes to make it at least straightforward in terms of getting these nearly universally recognized important processes going, what needs to happen? We need to accelerate the timelines. I think there's this really, we're at this critical moment uh, where there's bipartisan realization that this is an issue. The challenge now is, well, what tweaks can we make to actually accelerate this process? That means uh, expanding or more widely using the tools that we already have, um, such as categorical exclusions, which could exempt a forest restoration project from the really burdensome environmental reviews. And I think that goes to recognizing that there are environmental benefits to doing this forest restoration work. It also means reducing the impacts of litigation. That can mean requiring litigation to be filed more quickly so it can be addressed. It can mean reforming injunction decisions so that we're able to still continue doing some of the work even while it's being reviewed. There are some changes that can happen um, to just accelerate those timelines so we can do the work that we know needs to be done. Hannah Downey directs policy at the Property and Environment Research Center. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.